You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. You're listening to the Pull Box Podcast. The International Graphic Novel Book Club. Here are your hosts, Curtis Finley and Michael Cohen. Hello and welcome back to the Pullbox Podcast. This is our ninth episode. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen. And I am your other host, Curtis Finley. Uh, cool. Uh, we've got some really great books to talk about this month. Uh, it's been a little while. It's, 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 yeah. We kind of we had to spread it out over the christmas break i uh, you were you were in disney world oh so. man yeah and that was a lot of fun yeah, yeah. um <laughs> what cool. did you how was your christmas uh it was good it was good actually i have read a lot of comics <laughs> since the last time we we uh we recorded uh, an episode of Pullbox, so it's been good i five five any highlights i i just finished the latest volume of ninja turtles uh which just came out this past week as of recording and uh uh, volume 10 uh, of the main turtles book and it was fantastic it was incredible uh, uh one of their one of their better volumes yet uh sort of introducing a bunch of new characters uh spoilers they brought back mondo gecko <laughs> nice <laughs> I, uh, I don't know that mondo ever showed up maybe he showed up in like one episode of the cartoon but uh, he was more famous for uh for being a toy, yeah, and in the co- he uh, was and, in the comics, and, and then in the comics, the mutant, yeah. the, the mighty mutanimals. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that's sort of that's the that's the button on the end of that volume is uh, uh, one of the characters, Hob, from Volume One. Yeah, he's sort of putting together his own personal army of mutants oh, in order okay. to uh, to uh, uh, for mutant liberation sort of thing. And his Leatherhead um, in there? Uh, no, so it's it's actually the only the only one that's recognizable is Mondo. Okay. The others are uh, there's Hob, who's who's the uh, mutated cat. Uh, if anybody read Volume One with us, uh, they'll they'll remember that. Um, there is uh, Pete the pigeon. <laughs> Pete the pigeon, <laughs> who was uh, Hobbs' first experiment in creating mutants of his own, and uh, and Pete came out a little bit half baked. Awesome. So so Pete's <laughs> Pete's bird brain. Uh, uh, so he's exactly what you would expect from a mutated pigeon. Uh, uh, Herman the hermit crab, uh, who is like at first you're like a hermit crab <laughs> mutant. How cool! Like that's that's kind of lame. He's uh, probably just as cool as a mutant gecko. Yeah. So Herman is like like a, a, a cliche military like soldier, army soldier type oh, okay. guy. Like I like think like Full Metal Jacket sort of nice. like a, a drill sergeant sort of speech. But then he's got like a dumpster for a, for a shell because he's obviously a giant hermit <laughs> yeah. crab, and it's like all decked out with like rocket launchers and machine guns and stuff so he's actually a really cool character <laughs> and then mondo gecko is just like he's just an updated mondo gecko and i uh, i uh, there's nothing wrong with that <laughs> that's, no, that's no. it's awesome i, I really, really appreciate cool there's kind of a, a second michelangelo yeah um i appreciate their sense of humor yeah and the, the, the yeah. willingness to kind of poke fun of their past history and yeah that kind of yeah stuff. like yeah. pointing out that that i, that I and, and i mean for a lot of the the legacy stuff they've they've actually 
uh, done cool twists on it. Like, Baxter Stockman hasn't been mutated into a fly. He has a bunch of mutant robot flies that, that he uses. Um, uh, like, giant mutant robot flies. Yeah. I, You're just waiting for that moment to come, though. Yeah, yeah, does. yeah. Eventually they'll probably do it. But, yeah, it, it's... Oh, man, there's a... There's a great moment. The first issue has no turtles in it, and it's just uh, uh, Krang and Shredder talking to each other, kind of parlaying, because yeah. they've had conflict throughout the series. Um, and so they're kind of parlaying, and, and Shredder's trying to, to to make a deal with Krang, and this version of Krang is ruthless, and it's just like, no. Huh. So they end up just fighting each other for the entire issue. It's, nice. it's pretty awesome. So I... Uh, that's that's the highlight I think oh, of good. everything that I've read so far. Did but, you get any uh, comics for Christmas? Uh, you know what? I didn't. No, nobody knows what to get me for comics, and I think that that's one of the one of the hard things. Is like people know that I read a lot of comic books, but it's like, what do you like? Like, what do yeah, you go to the yeah. comic book store and buy somebody? Right. So people just kind of avoid it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I never really have to worry. I about got you a comic for Christmas. Oh yeah, that's true. Because I know what you to did. get you. Yes, you did. Yes. Awesome. Well, my sister got me the entire um, Akira manga. Like it's yes. a, it's six volumes, like big, thick, fat volumes. Wow. She found a good deal on it, and um, it's it's fantastic. What a great series that yeah. is. And I, uh, I don't read a whole lot of manga, um, but there are some that that are kind of highly recommended, and that's one of them. Uh, and I'm, I might pull that for one of our picks sometime because it's just so different and and incredible. Great artist, yeah. uh, great story, and the movie. There's a, there's like that cult classic movie that's out as well, right? That came out in the '80s, yeah. right in the middle of when the the story was actually being written and drawn. Okay. So the ending is of the movie is way different um, because it was kind of the story hadn't finished okay. yet at that time. Cool. But yeah, very good stuff. Yeah. Cool. Well, I've I've I I think I've only seen Akira once, and it was a very long time ago. Yeah. Back in the days when uh, this is a if if you're not Canadian and you're listening to this, you're gonna get really confused. But we have a, a network up here called Teletoon, which is kind of our version of Cartoon Network. Although we now have Cartoon Network as well. Right. Um. But uh, Teletoon came on back in what like the late nineties. Yeah. Um. And. Saturday and Sunday nights, I think. Uh, uh, actually, like technically Saturday and Sunday morning, but Friday and Saturday night, they would do these anime blocks right. of of just at like midnight, like starting at midnight. I like so, Dragon Ball and that yeah, kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. and uh, and 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 so I, I I watched a lot of anime through that. So that's really my only exposure to that. I'd like to. I, I would like to read that at some point, but I know that. There's a lot to read there. It's a, it's quite an undertaking, yeah, because yeah. it's it's got to be, I don't know, it's over, it's over, th- probably over two thousand pages, the whole yeah. thing, complete thing, because yeah. each volume is is something like three hundred pages or something like that. So, um, yeah, it's uh, but it's great. It's well worth it. It it's it had me hooked after the first volume, and I okay. plowed through the rest. It's, wow. it's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, okay, well, should we? <laughs> yeah, let's jump into our into our books uh, for this month. For just for a refresher, uh, we've got Miss Marvel, Volume One, No Normal, uh, which was my pick. Uh, your pick was uh, Button Man, 
Yep. Uh, which was kind of it's a it's it was a collection. It's a collection the of the, th- the three stories. Yeah, uh, it's the, the collection that we read is called Get Harry X. Yes. And uh, and we read Gotham Central, uh, Volume One, GCPD, yeah. uh, Volume One, in the, uh, in the line of our, duty, our reader poll. Yeah. Um, so let's start off with my poll, which is uh, Miss Marvel No Normal. I uh, this is a fantastic book, uh, written by G. Willow Wilson and drawn by Adrian Alfona, uh, and uh, it is. Uh, it's a it's a brand new Miss Marvel for for those uh, who don't know. Uh, Miss Marvel the the name has a lot of uh, actually a lot of history, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, sure does. I there's a Captain Marvel movie coming out soon. Um, I when's that? I think that's that's like three years from now. I think. Uh, yeah, it's after. I think is it after? It's after Avengers. Three part one. Yeah, it's in between the two, the double Avengers movie. Yeah, um, and that that Captain Marvel was at one point Miss Marvel. Uh, was she Captain Marvel first or? Um, no, I think that my history is fuzzy. Someone can probably correct us on this, but Captain Marvel is a Cree soldier. Yes, from the and That's his comic right. came out in the sixties. Yes, and then he in some sort of weird accident. She, Carol Danvers, yeah. got a bunch of creep powers. Yes. And that's... She didn't become Captain Marvel at the time. Um, I think she's, I think that's when she was Miss Marvel. Yeah, so Miss uh, Miss Marvel... She started off as Miss Marvel. Uh, Rogue actually, I think, took her powers at one point. That's yes, how, that's why she when, can fly. Yeah, when yeah. Rogue started off, she didn't have any superpowers. Her, her, her mutant power was, was just the ability to yeah. absorb, but it wasn't until she absorbed the powers of Miss Marvel, who was not a mutant, right. that she gained super strength and vulnerability. And well, and wasn't she held on to Miss Marvel so long, yeah. way longer than normal, that yes. those powers just became permanent for her? Yeah. And it placed Miss Marvel in a coma for yeah. like years or something yeah. like that. Um, and then eventually she woke up and and carried on she actually and when she came back i think she came back as sentry not as miss marvel because oh, there was yeah. a time when she was when she was referred to as sentry that's one of the people look at her costume and she's got a, a big lightning bolt s yeah on her on like oh, across okay. the front of it Is that what that's and that's from? from the era when she was called sentry yeah. um huh. And uh, yeah, so I mean, like there are, I, and then she was a shield agent for a while. Yeah, yeah, uh, and then, and then when they relaunched Avengers a few years ago, I, I, I think like back in the in the early two mid two thousands, uh, they relaunched Avengers. That's the Brian Michael Bendis relaunch. I think so. I think so. And uh, and she was made a part of the Avengers, and that was when she kind of took this step back into the spotlight and uh and then when marvel finally uh settled the whole uh, uh lawsuit controversy with with uh, dc comics about who gets to use the term captain marvel which is yeah. why captain marvel and dc comics is now shazam yes that's um, his actual name yeah that's his actual name i uh, which is a whole other thing that we don't need to get into no. but when that finally got settled a few years ago uh, I guess that's almost like that's almost three years ago now. Yeah, I uh, she took back the mantle of Captain Marvel. Right. Got a new costume, new haircut, and kind of a, a, an overhaul 
and uh, and a new number one. So uh, that's the that's the character that's getting a movie. This Miss Marvel. All of that to say, this Miss Marvel is uh, is a completely different character. Uh, uh, this Miss Marvel is Kamala Khan, who is a teenage uh, Muslim girl in New Jersey. Yeah, I think, of all places, I not think even not even technically in New York. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that's a great uh, a great thing too is like yeah. that's that set her apart from yeah the superhero world as well you give her her own territory right? yeah. her own stomping ground to 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 get uh, uh, up to speed with having superpowers um so basically the story is that she's uh we kind of start off just with this this uh i don't know almost like generic teen story that's what i was gonna say with the, yeah with the the lens that she's she's muslim and and so that makes her a, a unique character right off the bat, um, especially I think especially in the Marvel comics universe. I, yeah. I, that I mean it's it's I wouldn't say that Marvel has gone out of their way to not feature a character like this before. I think that they've just spent a lot of time not focusing on on religion right at all. Right. I mean, unless it was sort of uh, inherent in a character. Like, uh, like, let's say Angel uh, in the X Men. Like, you kind of have to talk about religion at some point. <laughs> yeah, but it's more of a or mythological with, sense yeah, rather than yeah. a religious sense. Um, or with uh, with uh, Apocalypse's uh, Horseman yeah, and all uh, that. Nightcrawler is a character that's that's had his uh, his past is kind of tangled up in 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 a uh, religious angle. But uh, it's for the most part, if you had to ask, like like uh, you wouldn't really know what religious affiliation 90% of the characters in the Marvel Universe have. Right. Right? Yeah. So... Well, I remember it was a big deal when Shadowcat was Jewish. Yes. Like, they actually made a big deal yeah. about that. And uh, and Thing has always been Jewish, and um, yeah. that that's just because most of the bullpen from the 60s is Jewish. <laughs> yeah. This is, yeah. Yeah, all of the Marvel guys from the old days are were just a bunch of old yeah. Jewish guys. But, Doing uh... Comics... Fun stuff, <laughs> but this new character Kamala, she's uh, she she's she's interesting because of this, right? Like this, this is uh, this is sort of uh, uh, it's uh, we we'll talk about it because it is an important part of her story. Yeah, that, that she's she lives in. I uh, uh, I think what a lot of people would probably consider kind of like a, almost a sheltered experience. She's not allowed to date. She's not allowed to go out on the weekends with with everybody else. Like yeah. she's sort of. Very conservative uh, dressing, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Um, and has uh, to go to the the mosque for whatever for lectures like a youth and stuff. group and that sort of thing. Yeah, so um, the story basically starts with her sneaking out to go to a party, and then uh, finding out that the party is probably not her scene, uh, even though she desperately wants to be normal and and cool hence the 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 volumes title no normal mm-hmm. um and uh and when she ends up leaving she kind of gets caught in this in this weird mist um now i don't know like the, they call it a terrigen bomb okay so it obviously has ties to the inhumans okay so i illuminate our listeners as well as myself because i know nothing about the inhumans except that there's a giant bulldog with a tuning fork on his forehead named lockjaw (laughs) um the inhumans 
these are characters that were also created in the 60s okay. um, the, in the Fantastic Four books. So they have lots okay. of ties to the Fantastic Four. Now, they they are um, they're humans. They're not mutants. Um, but they have... I guess they kind of are mutants because they have these powers that are buried down deep within them, but they're, yeah. they have to be unlocked um, by through this kind of ritual process of being exposed to this um, particular gas, or, okay. or, uh, or in this case it's a mist or whatever, and it's called a pterogen mist. Okay. Um, and when that happens, then their powers are amped up and, and, and they're revealed to be inhumans okay and so there's the it's it's a race it's a race of these um people who all have powers yeah and at one time i don't know where they lived it was somewhere on earth but then that got destroyed and so they moved to the moon yeah they li- don't they live in like the the, the dark side the, of the moon uh, yeah is it isn't it like one of the because i know that there's the the blue zone or whatever that place where there's like oxygen and everything on the moon but right yeah the little pocket yeah <laughs> convenient it, space there. yeah it's, it, that's from an old x-men story yeah where uh where i think it's from the trial of gene gray actually right oh where yeah that first shows up i'm not but, sure yeah um yeah Mar- marvel has a long and storied history which i i well, again, we're kind of glossing over that news that the whole marvel universe is about to be destroyed and rebuilt from the ground up but we'll um, talk about that at a later date yeah we'll talk about that when we actually know what's happening so yeah so she so someone sets off a bomb of this pterogen gas yeah which anyone who breathes it in and is an inhuman will get powers okay so she gets these powers um i'm gonna assume that probably if this gas spread through the whole city or whatever then there might be some other people who might pop up down the road yeah who are also inhumans but um it begs the question are her parents inhumans on like what's the connection there sure because um i don't know i don't know how it works with the whole races if they're spread all over the world if this is something that is only contained in certain lineages um because i think her parents are pakistani and they're immigrants yes and so i don't know also if she's born in the united states i think she's American Pakistani, right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I don't. I don't know that it's ever explicitly said, um, but she is very American, right? Yeah. Um, like th- that's kind of one of the the themes in the in the story overall is that her her viewpoint doesn't mesh with her family's viewpoint, right? In particular, her mom. Like her her dad yeah. is a little bit more understanding and is a little bit more in certain ways yeah, yeah and because it seems like uh, you know if you kind of infer some stuff from from the dynamic they they immigrated at some point it was probably his decision right because yeah. uh, I think at one point uh, Kamala's mother actually says like why can't we just go back right, right. like I, I don't like it here sort of thing. Um, I like sorry it's it's it, all of the the distractions all of these things I prefer it there um and so like that's the, I like that's kind of the the overall theme even amongst her sort of she gets these superpowers basically shape-shifting abilities um although uh, really uh, cool I love the way that they portray the shape-shifting yeah. abilities because it's not like mystique who just kind of takes on forms of people yeah. Um, but it's also not like Mr. Fantastic, where yeah. the body's totally elastic. Like she, 
she plays a lot with mass and the different yeah. parts because uh, she of can because she can shrink and enlarge as yeah. well, right? Um, it's it's a it, it is it's it's at first you're like oh she's just got like Mister Fantastic's powers and because of that she can shape shift into other yeah. to look like other people, but then you start to realize that like oh it's like it's more of like a molecular thing because she's changing her hair color she's changing her skin tone she's actually and her clothes, looking at her yeah. clothes like she she basically breaks out of this this uh, uh, sphere. Thing, this sort of uh, or cocoon dome, or something, yeah, cocoon. And when she does, she looks like Miss Marvel, yeah, like uh, in the in the sort of the classic uh, Miss Marvel look with the the black outfit with the uh, the the big lightning bolt and the red yeah. sash, right? Uh, and uh, these characters could not look <laughs> more different, right? She's now a, a, a tall, leggy blonde, uh, uh, and uh, she's like, oh. This is a little. This is a little <laughs> weird. Yeah. Um. And the the story is basically her discovering, figuring out how to use her powers and yeah, what her place and, is. And 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 that uh, as much as she wants to be different, she wants to be what she considers normal. Yeah. Um. It's yeah. really about like so. It's a self discovery sort of story, which I think is one of the things that that people are really relating to. I uh, because this this is. Maybe one of the most critically acclaimed comics of last year. I know it, it won a bunch of awards, yeah. and, and uh, it, it's it's sort of been heralded. Uh, Marvel, as, as a matter of fact, has been heralded as as sort of ushering in a new era in superhero comics because of things like what they what they're doing in Miss Marvel, uh, uh, what they've done with the the Thor character, and and Captain America, right? Uh, right, uh, making the, the Falcon Captain America. So. Yeah. There, uh, there's like a an actual um, deliberate push towards a more diverse cast of characters in the Marvel universe, and this is this. I think this was basically the first book to sort of. This was the vanguard for that, right? Kind of. I mean, they a little bit before this, there was the big deal about two gay characters getting married. Right. Yes, with the, the alpha with North, flight. North Star yeah. and whoever it was, and I think that kind of kicks it off as well. Like yeah. celebrating yeah, yeah, that yeah. diversity there, yeah, um, uh, is a pretty big deal. And it's um, like that's not going to have such a lasting effect as this character because yeah. this character, um, like once you marry off characters, then they that I don't know the the story doesn't continue as as much after that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But uh, but this one, when you create a whole new character and and give it this kind of diversity, um, it it's uh, there's so much potential places to go. I think it's really good. Yeah, and she's kind of uh, she's been referred to as as the new Peter Parker, right? right? And I was gonna bring that up too. It's like because he always had that struggle of trying to be normal as well. Yeah. And it's it's the same thing. It's like he, he's he's an outsider, but nerds are not outsiders per se anymore mm -hmm. like the the whole nerd culture the yeah. way that it's progressed is that that's not that's not a thing yeah that i mean it still kind of is a thing but it's not the same sort of thing as it was in the 60s so um and peter parker was a nerd yeah but kamala is an outsider because of her ethnic Diversity, her cultural, yeah. the cultural difference. I mean, she's also a bit of a fangirl. <laughs> she, she, I think uh, 
even self and, self-professed and, within the story um, yeah and that's so interesting she's got all of her little like doodles and stuff and her of, fanfic that she writes yeah, and stuff yeah. but and that's that's the kind of thing that peter parker would have been an outsider for yes but this is that's what makes her relatable this in, time in around this comic, in this yeah. day and age and so that's really interesting yeah yeah um Let's see. And then to push it further, like she's not normal because of her cultural differences. Yeah. But then all of a sudden now she has, par- uh, she has powers, yeah. and she's now very very not normal. Yeah. And so how do how do you balance what you wanted normal to be like before with with what what you want normal to be like now? Um, I was really really hoping that when she was talking with her dad in that really nice heartful conversation that she would have just told him at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that would have been um, great because then the family now would have to band together to be normal, I guess, in that that sense, with a, a daughter who has powers. Yeah, um, but not giving up their cultural differences, but now trying trying to become a normal family in that sense with superhuman superhuman daughter. Yeah. Um, I think the the only reason I can see why they would stay away from that is because that is that's a very big part of the Miles Morales story in Ultimate Spider-Man. Oh, really? Is that is that his father knows that he's Spider-Man? Oh, okay. Yeah, well, so, that makes sense then. Yeah. yeah so I think that they like they yeah. wouldn't want to sort of duplicate that story in two places. Yeah. Um, well, and if- but I think that is. I think that's a natural place for the story of Kamala Khan and her family yeah. to go. And I think they'll probably get there eventually. Yeah. And it I expected also... her to tell her. Does she tell her brother? I don't. I don't remember. She. I think she only tells her friend. Yeah. Um. But the no. Yeah. She doesn't tell her brother. Her brother suspects something. I'm sure. Yeah. She's, she's doing weird things. But. Um. Another possible reason for not telling parents is because they're going to play out the Inhuman story later on. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how many more volumes? They're on like volume three now of this story. I, I think so. I so think there's so. stuff to catch up, and who knows? They might yeah. have already done that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, because she's got to get that inhuman blood from somewhere. So if her parents have ties to that whole thing, then yeah, then if she told them right off the bat, then they revealed all of this stuff about inhumans, and then who knows? Maybe that's so, why they came to America, right? Like, right. You, you never know. Yeah. What, what kind of a story? Uh, they've got cooked up for that, but yeah, it, it does, I think I think it, they they are planting seeds for something to happen along those lines. Like yeah. it's it's not this doesn't uh, I seem to me as a book of uh, <laughs> without forethought because because yeah. uh, really everything everything in this volume is very well constructed, like as as a narrative with the beginning, middle, and end, and then with the the fantastic cliffhanger at the at the very end of this. Uh, uh, where's the the new character? Oh, I can't find it. But um, this uh, the bird guy. Oh yeah, what was his name? The inventor. Yeah, it? yeah, something like that. Um, yeah. Well, that's good, and a small time villain for her to to start off with. I think is great. Yeah, um, she doesn't yeah, need to team up with the Avengers yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, she has been popping up in a lot of other books. I, I think that that's one one sign right? of uh, yeah of, of popularity is when you start teaming up with Wolverine and Spider Man. Oh, that's right. I think so. She actually she, she showed up in Volume Two of Amazing Spider Man, which is another book that I read over this break. Um, yeah. So she showed up in that, and they had a one issue team up. And it was kind of uh, because that's that's 
it's Peter Parker finally back from from uh, from the dead. Yeah. And I, I there was a lot of there was a, there were actually some meta conversations within that comic of him sort of like referencing that she's the new Peter Parker. Like it was right. almost okay. yeah. the, that, that issue sense. was almost like a passing of the torch. Like yeah. Um, there was a lot of him going like is this what I was like? Like, is, <laughs> I, 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 or, and stuff like, I yeah. remember being new. I remember going to the fantastic four and trying to be a member of their team and, yep. and you discovering know, that I had to do stuff on my own. So yeah. And, and, up, and he's he not up, like that anymore. And yeah. that's something that's missing from the Marvel universe is that yeah. struggle with being yeah. normal. And I guess X-Men does that pretty well because they have their Academy. So they're, they're always, always bringing in fresh, fresh. Characters. Um, plus we have the X-Men from the sixties now living in the present. <laughs> yeah. So there's that yeah. back again too. I, they, they, uh, volume four of that is another thing that I've read <laughs> and, uh, they've gone actually pretty far afield from that aspect of the story. Oh, well, that's too bad. Battle of the Atom happened and it kind of, it it then took all of like the stories that were in progress and it shuffled them all up and spread everybody out and so i uh, yeah there I, I i don't know i we can talk about all new x-men at a later time <laughs> once i've read because i need to read um uh the guardians of the galaxy crossover with that in yeah. order to really understand what they're doing with those characters okay. but but yeah you're right like there's not um there aren't a lot of characters at the moment who sort of fit this archetype of the of the sort of bright-eyed fresh superhero yeah. uh, and that relatable teenage character right and i don't I, think there's anybody in the dc universe that really does that i mean who who are uh, the teens Is well, the, does the teen titans still exist the teen titans does still exist but none of them act like teenagers because right it's poorly written um well and they're all veteran superheroes yes, as well give 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 dc another year year and a half and they'll they'll figure it out yeah they'll 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 see what marvel did and then they'll start copying yeah. it I, well you, you know this this cover to this yeah. volume is a throwback to a dc comic do you know which okay. one it is i well it looks kind of like green lantern to me but there's a there's an old supergirl comic when she was okay. relaunched in the 90s that okay. this cover is an homage to oh okay uh, and it's supergirl and she's wearing like a kurt cobain style um plaid t-shirt um un- unbuttoned with this, so you can see the superman logo yeah. underneath and she's got a skateboard in her hand oh okay. um, and she's got like some pins on her shirt or whatever and so that was um that was a big deal in the 90s because they were breaking the female stereotype there by creating a, sort of a grungy supergirl okay. yeah, character yeah, yeah. Uh, one that skateboarded and it was sort of it was um it, it was supposed to relate more to the younger demographic or yeah. whatever yeah. kind of doing the same purpose that this one is doing so this cover is referencing that that issue okay. from the 90s um kind of showing where it's yeah. the progression of where we've come with our, our characters so well. it just kind of shows that that this stuff's all all cyclical and it, yep, you know i definitely is at some point marvel will lose track of this new miss marvel she'll have a completely different name and be a completely different character oh yeah which and, happens because characters yeah. progress and they kind yeah. of have to do that yeah. and then they'll bring in the next generation i'm really hoping that with with uh with convergence dc can reset some of the mistakes that they've made with new 52 and get back to doing stuff similar to what to what marvel is doing i i just 
this this book to me is is the shining example right now of what Marvel is doing with their storytelling, where they are creating uh, new characters. They're they're doing new spins on old characters to to make their world relatable and 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 uh, uh, sort of uh, grounded in a reality. As DC kind of spins more and more into this weird, uh, I. Like I mean, every time I look at a DC Comics cover, I'm like, there is nothing interesting going on here. It's just a <laughs> bunch of dudes punching each other, yeah. Um, and in 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 shiny metallic outfits that are all drawn by Jim Lee, right? Like it, it just they just they're they are going in two wildly different directions. And when you look at their their movie slates, it's exactly the same. Like it, it's reflected in that where Marvel as they get bigger, they're still they still have those titles that that are about characters, right? Yep. That, yep. That, that are that are a little bit more of the down to earth relatable stuff. Um, I think that Miss Marvel, this Miss Marvel, because uh, I think people kind of talk about like, oh, is she going to show up in in Captain Marvel? That's kind of been one of the the movie, one of the yeah, in the yeah. Movie. I asked that question. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, and I and think they they could they could, but could. I think she belongs way more so on a tv series i right, I, yeah. I think that i uh, what you're what i mean the premise that you that and and now that you sort of i uh, i uh, unfolded unpacked the uh, the the terrigen bomb aspect of it for me i uh, you said a tv series in new jersey with kamala khan as your main character and you've got your weekly episodic content yep. built right into the plot because a Terrigen bomb goes off and a bunch <laughs> yeah, of new right. Inhumans show up. Yep, some of them true. are good guys, some of them are yep. bad guys, and it's up to her and to And that could happen, I mean, out, in right? a couple of years, since the movie is a couple of years away, and yeah. Captain Marvel and the Inhumans movie are coming out that same year. Yes. So if they, once they're finished with this run of Netflix TV shows, yeah. they're going to look for more content. This yeah. could they they could do a very successful one that ties into yeah. both of those movies that would like that's something that they would that they would do I think <laughs> yeah yeah I think so and I, cool. I think that that would be perfect she'd be great I mean, yeah uh, I'd watch it for sure yeah a limited like thirteen episode series just about her story and yeah. sort of like uh, uh, follow her on 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 an adventure like that maybe have one or two other notable characters show up especially <laughs> once you've got that Netflix stuff established and hopefully those stories well those, and they've already series they've already introduced Carol Danvers I think didn't they in the Captain America movies no was she there? who's uh, um who's agent 13 who's that character I that's it's uh that's Peggy Carter's oh right Sharon Carter yeah yeah, yeah that's Sharon. right that's who I was thinking of yeah. no no that's, that's different um, so another thing I really like about this team is the creative team. The yes. writer and the artist couldn't be more perfectly paired for yeah. for this year. So yeah, they're definitely in sync. G. Willow Wilson is a woman. Yeah. So getting a woman to actually write <laughs> novel idea. Uh, yeah, it is a novel idea in the comic book world. It is, and it it's so good. I mean, it's such yeah. a refreshing thing. And um, and also she spent. She's not. Um, she's Muslim herself. Uh, and it spent a lot of time in the Middle East. She lived there for a while as a reporter before she got into comics. And so she knows a lot about that culture. So it's not um, just a North American guide who's done a, a Wikipedia search on the culture and, and is yeah. inserted that into a comic. Like, there's there's the authenticity here. And so yeah. that makes a huge difference. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It does. It, it is. 
it, it's a I guess what you would consider a slice of life book. Yeah. But uh, a lot of like we've 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 actually talked about a lot of books like that. I, I the I, oh, what's the Pyongyang? Yeah. Right. I, yeah. Like they, they, it has a lot of those elements in it of sort of following along and understanding the culture of someone different from you, yeah. Um, experiencing somebody else's life, but then it just so happens that she's also a superhero, right? Right. So that's kind of I, I know I, I think that there there's a lot there um, uh, to to dive into, and that that builds a character with longevity right yeah. i mean you see a lot of new characters show up these days uh and let's go back to the x-men uh, uh sort of uh, analogy to it the x-men are constantly throwing in new characters constantly right, right. like every every 12 issues there's some new mutant showing up to well, the every, point that they yeah. had to do house of m to wipe to get rid of them <laughs> and get rid of all of these mutants well that and then they all came about. back anyway but yeah. uh, every new writer on x-men yeah. has to throw in their two or three creator own characters yeah. so that they are famous or and there's <laughs> and there's generally one or two characters every sort of cycle of new new x-men characters that are very surface very boring and guess what they're the ones that don't stick around they're the ones that an artist goes because they usually have pretty cool powers and that's the extent of their character yeah. right they're ones that artists will like throw in the background Right, they'll be like, "Oh, look, it's a group shot. We'll just draw that character in here so that people know <laughs> that they still around. exist." Keep the copyright going yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. but I, uh, but but Kamala stands apart from that sort of thinking because she's a real fleshed out person, right? She before she, she was a superhero. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that's I think the thing that relates her to Peter Parker the most is that Peter Parker is someone that we all understand and know. Uh, uh, sort of just just uh, almost instinctually, right? Like he is that because he's he's always been called the everyman, um, and and so that was one of the things that makes like his powers as neat as they are, and as much as we all love Spider Man's powers and wish that we could swing from a thread and all that sort of stuff and stick to walls and have super strength. Uh, it's not that he's Spider Man that makes that character. I, I stick around, uh, pun intended, for as long as he has. It, it's it's Peter Parker that that makes Spider Man an, an evergreen character. Right. That, that although he needs to be refreshed every so often in order to be new and interesting again. Um, there's always stories to tell with that character, and I think that they've they've done the same thing with with this Miss Marvel, and yep. uh, and I think that she'll be around for a very long time. Like I hope all, so. Like all characters, I think she'll probably fade into the background at some point, and you know, ten years from now, and then fifteen years from now, somebody would be like, "Hey, you remember that character, well, Miss Marvel?" Have I ever told you back. my my theory that every seven years, um, if a character hasn't been used for seven years, there's some sort of copyright issue that, that oh, yeah. needs to be addressed, and they have to stick them back in there. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. if a character dies, you could almost count seven years, and then they'll bring the character and then back, come back, yeah, because they got to keep that copyright status or huh. something like that that's my theory i don't know if that's true or not but i'm sure that that's yeah. true with some characters i don't know if it's necessarily for every instance yeah. of that like death and, and return sort of but thing. if you see like a character has has like an ex a weird mutant who's yeah. disappeared um i think of chamber from generation x when that yeah. character when that story ended it was like seven years and then he showed up randomly in uh x-men for a little yeah. while and then he just dis- or 
he had like one issue in Runaways because they needed to use his character to keep his name alive or something like that. But anyway, um, the other thing I wanted to mention, speaking of Runaways, is that the artist for Runaways is the same artist for this book here. Yes, and his style has changed a little bit. And I, I really, I'd say a lot. I, I really like it. Yeah, I, I do really like where yeah. he's gone. Uh, mostly because none of his lines are straight. Yeah. I really like the, that he, he's so clean. Yeah. But he's not polished clean. Yeah. Um, it's it, it is uh it is a prime example for for other aspiring artists to look at of uh having to know all of the rules before you can break them right right because uh, a lot of people would look at at, at this comic and go i want to draw like that i want that style yeah right? right and i this is not a style that you get to um you know, overnight. No. This, is, this is one that, and and I think I think that the style itself was actually informed a lot by the character. For um, sure, absolutely. I was going to say that too. The the because it has the a immaturity of her character, um, yeah, as well as yeah. the you know, the flux of her powers yeah. is shown in the line quality. Yes, um, absolutely. There's still um, it's still grounded. It's still realistic looking, yeah. but it still has that element to it. Well, and there's the great stuff when she's narrating her fan fiction uh that it's all drawn as like almost yeah. like um like doodles inside the margins of a notebook yeah right? it's fantastic I, yeah uh, what a great that, little yeah it's it's just like these these little like tonal things that that really keep you in tune with the story that's being told so that you kind of understand everybody um and that's yeah. that's when the art that's when the art is at its best i think in comics is when it it is also doing a lot of the heavy lifting when it comes to storytelling and and that's where i'll say uh all three of the books that we have this month they share that that all three books uh do an amazing job of of telling the story from a visual standpoint so that you're in the right frame of mind when you're reading it you know what kind of a story it is and if anybody from dc is listening it's what you guys are absolutely utterly failing at because (laughs) there is no tone in in dc comics right i I shouldn't say that there are a few artists out there doing a few nice things within dc but but when i talk about dc overall it it just feels very generic superhero yeah um yeah you know i mean the and it's very 90s I'm I'm waiting for the announcement of foil covers. That's what I I because they already they did lenticular covers last year. Yeah, and I'm just waiting for them the to announce that they're going to do some yeah <laughs> die like, cut and uh, uh, convergence. There's going to be a whole set of variant uh, yeah. uh, uh, chrome covers. hologram covers. Yeah, ugh, ugh, I remember ugh. that those days of the 90s. Where just, every number one issue had to be super fancy. and It's so frustrating yeah. because they're making so much money. Oh, I know. Right? That's why their sales are better than Marvel. Yeah, they're making so much money, but it's just infuriating because yeah. their their product is not there. But I I, I think that that's enough for Miss Marvel. We should right? move on. Yeah, yeah. let's uh, let's jump into the into the next book. So, uh, what's what was your poll? My poll is Button Man. <laughs> and if you just go on that comic based on that name, you'll first of all probably be like, it sounds like a kid's preschool cartoon yeah. or something like that. Um, boy, is it like the complete opposite of that. <laughs> um, so there is a long-running magazine, comic magazine in Britain called 2000 AD. And it's an anthology magazine. Yeah. 
it's the home of Judge Dredd. Um, and they have all of these different stories that pop up. And so one of these stories that popped up in the 90s, the early 90s, is called Button Man. And Button Man is a term for Hitman. And uh, so this guy is, um, the, the main character is a paid assassin, uh, Hitman, who's kind of retired. He's gone off the grid. He doesn't want to be involved in that anymore. Well, anyway, one day someone shows up at his house and tries, or he gets a phone call saying, um, you better watch out someone's coming to kill you and and as soon as he says that there's a shot through his window yeah. and um and he's running for his life um doesn't take very much time to i think overcome that guy and and kill him yeah and then he finds out that he's now involved in this game yeah that a bunch of rich people have set up um to hire people to kill each other and they and the rich guys take bets to see whose hitman is going to kill the others yeah and and whether he likes it or not he's now part of this whole thing uh it's it's written by john wagner who created judge dread and uh it's drawn by arthur ranson jr yeah and uh and he's got a very photorealistic noir style um, yeah very gritty very yeah. dirty um and and there are three the the collection that we read is called get harry x and it has a cover that um is i think supposed to pay tribute to get carter that old uh, stallone movie okay um which plays a lot of similar themes um and then uh the the collection collects the three button man stories that appeared in 2080 and there's a fourth volume or a fourth story that's not in this collection that was drawn by somebody different and it features the hitman's daughter so it's not i don't you don't need to read that one in my opinion these three are okay. kind of the perfect perfect trilogy stories here um yeah it, it it's uh it's such a refreshing change of pace it's uh it's not something that you'd find in a typical american comic book i think and it's uh it's a theme though that it that goes way back to old gladiator days or the days yeah, when yeah. romans fed christians to lions and that kind of so, thing. so right? yeah it is a uh when you describe it it sounds very much like another very popular property today i uh, <laughs> When was when was this originally published? This was originally published in the '90s, early '90s. Okay, so uh, anybody who's who's going, uh, oh, it sounds like a Hunger Games ripoff. I would. Oh no, it's flip the other that. way around. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I would say, like, like, I'm not not that the gladiatorial combat is uh, is not um, uncommon within within sort of uh, especially dystopian stories, right? Uh, but uh, this is this is contemporary. Yeah. But Hunger Games, uh, it I feel like Hunger Games borrows elements from this story, whether it knows that it is or not. Right. Uh, it, but there's a lot of similarity there. Yep. Um, so it's that's a that's a comparison that I think that a lot of people would draw. And I I, I found that as well. But that's um it's it's because I think the whole concept of well it, it like with MMA and all that it, like, sure. it's so popular yeah. that's. Yeah. People fighting each other for sport has always yeah. been a thing and always will be a thing. Yeah. Um, the thing that sets this part and also Hunger Games apart is that this is to the death. Yeah. And so that's like, what are you willing to do to survive in this in that kind of situation? Yeah. I think, and I think the thing that that most makes them similar is that in 
in Button Man, the 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 killing game is treated as almost mundane to people, right? Like there are elements of it where they're like, "Oh, I sent one guy after another guy." In particular, Harry, his character, because he's so good at what he does, uh, people are just like they get tired of him at a certain point, right? right? And they're like, "Well, I'm not going to put my guy up against." Harry because he's gonna kill him because yeah. like, there are there are rules to it where like you don't necessarily have to kill somebody you can take their marker which is really <laughs> unclear really 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 unclear in the first volume yeah. it's not until later that you realize that markers are fingers yes and you can you can just take, the what? tip the up the, like the first yeah. knuckle like yeah think. yeah and you can take three right yeah. and then like if you've run if you've if you've had three markers taken from you the next time you're beaten you have to be killed yeah. Right? Like you, or you, your employer will or kill you. Or your employer you. will yeah. kill you. Um, but uh, it was really unclear in the first volume. It was like, I just thought markers were like, like they had like a little like poker chip or something. <laughs> I did not realize how serious that was. Right. Well, because you can't fake that. If you yeah, lose your marker, exactly. there's no, like, it's painfully obvious to your employer that you've lost. Um, and also when you come up against another yeah, player, yeah. like they know... Um, how, what the stakes are for that person yes. so if they know that they're missing two markers that this guy that they're up against is yeah. going to do whatever it takes because their life is literally on the line now yeah yeah so i uh, but i th- i think that like that that element that at a certain point uh these rich people are bored with the regular act of sending one guy <laughs> yeah. to kill another guy that they set up Oh well, we're it's a, this is a two on two fight, and, right? Uh, only yeah, only these weapons, right? Like oh, yeah, or, you yeah. know, like it's they it's change like, things up. Yeah, they set, or they, they um, set game rules and that sort of thing. Or they they go to different parts of the world, yeah. and like one of the things is that they'll they'll set up the scenario to be in a very public place. Yeah. Um. So like those stakes are higher as well because now you have bystanders and you can get the police involved or whatever, yeah. and um. So they 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 up it a lot. You know, they. Also, what's interesting is that Harry, unlike all of the other hitmen that he comes across, he doesn't want to be a part of it. The other people seem to be willing to be uh, to be yeah. in this game because they're getting a huge payout or whatever. Like, there's a lot of money involved. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't want to have anything to do with it. So he, after the first volume, he runs away, and I think he goes to America, right? Because this, this yeah. initially takes place in Britain because it's a British book. But then he runs away to america but then the game follows him there and in the second volume or the second story they they track him down and they he has to kind of get through it again um yeah it's just uh it's it's great (laughs) yeah um it 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 is begging to be made into a series of films because there's those three stories that are so perfect that you do an awesome trilogy uh, I I personally, while reading it, uh, had cast Daniel Craig as uh, as Harry X uh, in my mind. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just think like it it the story is so tight. There's nothing excess in it. It's only the information that you need. Um, there's enough intrigue that you you keep reading to find out what's going to happen next. Yeah. But it's also easy enough to follow that halfway through the first story you're like oh i see what's going on here and maybe not even halfway maybe like a a, the first quarter (laughs) of the story you're like like oh i see where they're going with this but 
it's not like it, it, it it's not a mystery story right like they're not they're, nope. it's not meant to be like oh here's the big twist no nope, it's, it's more so like when's it straight coming? ahead um yeah. yeah it's just how is this guy gonna get out of this yeah. situation um and it really really reminds me a lot of the charles bronson death wish movies oh yeah um it just in the sense that this guy is so tenacious and so hardcore that uh, there's nothing anybody can do to counter him, right? And, and even to the point, and as the stories go on, they get more and more ridiculous. Because that, that third volume, that third story, is, uh, it goes to some pretty crazy places where you're like, how, so how is, like, 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 yeah, okay, I get, like, we get it because we know what's going on, but, like, he just sort of manages to get out of everything. Yeah. Without getting shot, without getting... <laughs> Right, a um, lot of luck and uh, yeah, but also yeah. skill. Like he knows what yeah. he's doing. I guess well. the end of the second volume is also pretty ridiculous, yeah. right? But um, but it's got that '90s action quality to it that I think that I think right. that current action movies have lost. Well, current action movies are all about superheroes and yeah. sci-fi and stuff like that. You don't but, get the Arnold Schwarzenegger type. But you know, what, even when you get anymore. into like, because I just saw Taken Three uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, and even that, it's. Every, I feel like everything's so polished that it's unbelievable. Uh, but there was like a grittiness in in the early '90s with action movies that even when something ridiculous would happen, like Rambo shooting an arrow and then a whole camp blowing up, right? Like I because it was so gritty, it was grounded in a realism that you were like, okay, cool, that's just this guy. Like he's just that <laughs> yeah. good. Right? That movie is amazing. The first Rambo. Oh, like, I think it, it, I cried yeah. at the end of that. Um, <laughs> it was so good. But yeah, like I feel like if you're gonna make this into a into a movie series, and 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 they are, they're they're currently uh, developing uh, a, a movie based on this. Um, and I, I don't are know they where that's at. Yeah, yeah, they're they're in the process. Like somebody's got the rights, and and uh, I don't know. I looked it up back in December. I can't I can't remember off the top. Because that's that's great. Because um, there's. Especially with the popularity of Hunger Games. Yeah. Now the thing about Hunger Games, I haven't I haven't seen any of those movies or read those books, so I might be off the mark here. But don't aren't they aren't the the kids in that movie taken to a certain place, an yes. arena of some sort? Yeah. So and that's um that's what this book doesn't do. It's not a gladiator type thing in that sense. Yeah. Um because they're it's just the whole world is their is their arena. They can go wherever they need to go in order to, to get the job done, um, and uh, and they yeah they set up they sometimes set up parameters like there's that fight in the in the field in the forest yeah in that second volume I think and, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but for the most part it's it's not contained and I think there's a lot of freedom there they can uh, the stories can go anywhere <laughs> rather than being contained to just an arena yeah so right now the rights are with DreamWorks. I who I who had also produced Wagner's uh, A History of Violence. Oh yeah, right. So so they've got some some uh, that I'm gonna pick that book pretty soon. Yeah, because it's fantastic. It's right. so different than the movie uh, as well, but it's really good. And then I so the film was initially rumored to be planned for release in 2008. Obviously, that never happened. Yeah. Uh, in late May 2012, Deadline.com revealed that Nicholas Winding Refn was in talks with DreamWorks about directing. Now, 
2012. That's that's now. We're talking three years ago, right? Uh, almost three years ago, uh, from May 2012. I uh, and that and could mean they're still in early production it or could development. Be, I mean, I or maybe they're not. I think. At all. I think his his star has kind of. I don't know. Uh, Wending Refn's a he's a he's a difficult guy to nail down because he he's the for those who don't know he directed Drive, uh, which was a huge movie the year that it came out in 2011 uh, and is a really cool movie it's a very odd film um it's very graphic i think he'd be a great director for this if he can kind of rein himself in a little bit and try and keep it a little bit <laughs> a little bit more grounded but that kind of like you know that the the violence level and the the reality of it is gonna still be there yeah um but yeah. he's a very stylized guy i I trying to see like I don't know I'm not on IMDb so I can't really see what what he's working on right now. I guess he his last movie was 2013. So so who knows like he could he could this could still be a thing that's in that's in production. Um let's see what IMDb has to say about it. <laughs> as I google things for you guys. Oh, thanks. But I but yeah, Button Man the Killing Game is the name of the movie that the, yeah, it's, and the killing game is the name of the first volume, yeah. or the first story. Um, so that's uh, yeah. If they so follow yeah, he's, that, he's that's still it. attached. Uh, they've got some writers on it. Uh, yeah, as far as IMDb is concerned. So I don't know. Hopefully, we are going to see this as a film series. Well, I will be there if that happens. Yeah, I think that it. I think like the key here, and it's something that Hollywood does not understand is that they need to do a straight adaptation from book to screen. Yeah. That story is fine. Everything that's there is meant to be there. It, it, it is basically a screenplay yeah. in a comic this, Your book. storyboards are all right there for yeah. you. Yeah, you just make that movie. Like, just put the puzzle pieces where they're supposed to go. Don't try and reinvent the wheel. I would be really upset if, if it turns out that they take elements from this story and that story and they do one movie that's its own thing yeah. just tell that first volume see what people have to say about it because i think that if this was brought to to the general public to a wide audience that you know you get like you say you get daniel craig in there as as harry x because I, I think that he would be perfect yeah uh, he's sort of that that exact character um you get him in there so that it's got like some some name uh, behind it, yeah, uh, you know James Bond in a different type of James Bond-ish movie, um, and uh, and and I think that you would get a lot of people on the bandwagon because uh, you can throw you know uh, that it's adapted from a comic book and and all that like it, it has all the makings of a very successful film property, um, so I, I hope that they get around to it. I hope that they do it. Um, I would really like it if they did it as a period piece because it almost feels um, even like a '90s period it, piece. It is. It is a '90s property, but it almost feels like it's like a '70s or '80s story, right? Because I almost feel like like uh, uh, his his friend uh, from the first volume. Yeah, I. Uh, it feels to me like like that character is right out of like the early '80s. Well, it could be. I mean, when you're writing in the '90s, yeah, you, yeah, it's going to be you're going to be driving from I, the I, recent I, past. Yeah, which that I would feel be. like he might have actually like it, with the first volume in particular, be placing that in 
the early 80s yeah. and then sort of pulling them forward as they went to because because the bad guy in the third one also feels very much like a late 80s bad guy he yeah. feels like a robocop villain well and i me. think that they'd have to probably i would want them to do it a period piece at least to the 90s if not mm-hmm. to the 70s just because of the level of surveillance and information yeah. that's available yeah. now would really change the story and the way yeah. that Harry conducted his business. It would end up being more like a born identity. Sort yeah, of exactly, thing. and that's, and that's not, what, not what. Yeah, not at all. Yeah. So you, yeah, you, they need to take away the internet. They yeah. need to take away um, any sort of modern machinery. Yeah. Um, because yeah, GPS that would, was GPS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the third story. Yeah, yeah. and the third story was early two thousands. Okay. So the, um, they took long breaks in between each of the stories. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, uh, it feel, yeah. they, the, that's that's incredible to me because it feels like it's all one right after one, the other. Yeah, yeah. They, even they, the art style is so consistent. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's incredible. Yeah, I I loved it. I really really like this book. Uh, in fact, out of the three this month, sort of the more that we talk about it, I go back to it and I sort of relive everything. <laughs> uh, it might be my favorite of the three that that, that we read this month. As okay. much as I like, I really like Miss Marvel, um, but Miss Marvel feels to me like it is the groundwork for great stories to come. Yeah, it in and of itself is not to me like like the the plot of Miss Marvel wasn't really anything to get excited about. It was the characters, right? right? It was yeah. sort of the unfolding of this new superhero story. Um, but much like what Marvel, everything that Marvel does, it's the beginning of a great series, right? right? Whereas Button Man, those three stories are three perfectly crafted, in my opinion, yeah. stories. Like there is nothing that needs to change in any of those. I think, like, you, like literally, you take those, you put them on screen, uh, and uh, make and a billion dollars good to go. Yeah, yeah. like it, it is so simple, and Hollywood's gonna screw it up i just know it they're, they're gonna unless it's not gonna meet our expectations yeah. at least it's too bad that britain won't do it yeah yeah britain, britain hollywood yeah yeah <laughs> whatever bbc oh wait uh maybe we should move on to our yeah. final book here yeah let's jump into our last book which is uh gotham central uh colloquially referred to as gcpd um uh, volume one i uh, what in the line of duty that's in the line of duty it's actually i was surprised this is actually two stories yeah Uh, i was surprised it's it's almost like two volumes but they're i don't know they're kind of um shorter than 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 you would expect i think like that first story when it when it gets to the third the third issue i think or maybe maybe the third or fourth issue you feel like oh i see where they're going with this and then all of a sudden it wraps up by the end of that one and you're like yeah oh okay cool we're gonna get another story um i who suggested this one this one was uh, let me bring that back up uh jonathan spies yeah to a big uh big uh quiver listener uh over quiver the green our podcast he's one of our more active listeners so thank you very much for this uh, for this poll because it was this is a book that i've been meaning to read i have owned this for going on probably five years it's been sitting in my collection uh and it's been sitting by my bedside actually like on the stack of comics to read and <laughs> you keep putting just, things on top of it yeah yeah it's just like oh new ninja turtles oh this this fancy new marvel thing because when i was when when uh johnny uh johnny who owns the the local comic book store metropolis comics and toys 
uh, when he suggested it to me and was like, here, you need to read this, I think, uh, I was like, okay, cool. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely get to it, but it's a Batman story, so I'm going to get to <laughs> it when I get to it. It's not really a Batman story. No, it's, no. It's, uh, and that's kind of the pitch, right? Is that this is the story about the cops in Gotham who work the major crimes unit. That uh, major crimes unit involves supervillains, basically, like that, or or any like you know anything anything that's bigger than just like your run of the mill homicide, uh, uh, arson, <laughs> uh, uh, burglary sort of thing. So they're they're the ones who go after your serial killers, your uh, uh, the big cases, the high profile stuff, right? Um, but they talk a lot in the comic about stuff getting kicked up to them. That's it's kind of it's kind of BS because uh, there's no real connection to to a supervillain. But uh, when the other departments sort of get tired of like when when a case goes cold, they they'll just go like, oh, we found this piece of evidence that links Catwoman to it, <laughs> so we're gonna kick it up to major crimes and make it their problem, right? Um, but it is it's very much a cop story. Uh, and I think it was very pertinent to read now because we have the TV series Gotham, in, uh, yeah. that that is uh, you know in full force uh, on on TV. And um, we should also mention that uh, Jonathan had recommended that we read Powers, yes, which we read, uh, which we reviewed and talked about in great detail in the first episode. I think that was episode one, right? It might have been. Yeah, I think so. Um, and we weren't fans. Yeah, we it wasn't as as groundbreaking as we had expected it to be, or yeah. something like that. It, that was just, but this um, Gotham Central is the um, powers as it should have been. Yeah, yeah, I think that it, Gotham Central is everything that we wanted powers to be. Um, and you know what? I'll, I'll I'll chalk it up to the same reason why I didn't like um, Astro City. Uh, exact same reason it's because Powers attempts to uh, throw you into a world of established superheroes but not the established superheroes that we know right so there's a lot of stuff where they're like uh, there's winks and nods to the camera of like oh yeah this is our Batman this is our Iron Man this is our Superman but they're not Batman, Iron Man, or Superman. So, so we threw in this clever little twist where it's this character, but he's a little bit more like this, or a little bit, or he's got this little quirk to his character, right? Um, Astro City and and Powers both kind of have that. Uh, uh, it's a it's tongue in cheek, but it's not played as tongue in cheek. Right. Right. Like there's a meta narrative to it that it's like, we know that you guys know what this character is, but we're going to pretend like we came up with the idea first. Right. Like yeah. in our universe, this is not an original, or this is an original idea, even though we know that it's not an original idea. I think with Gotham Central, because you are in Gotham, you are dealing with Batman's villains, with Batman himself, I, the shorthand is there and we don't need to talk about it right like it's yeah. all it's all subtext it's all under the surface um and and so when mr freeze shows up in the first issue we don't need to spend any time explaining nope, what mr freeze's all. deal is we can make those off the cuff 
In fact, like, there's kind of a couple moments where people refer to him in different ways, which is almost referring to different incarnations of Mr. Freeze. <laughs> right. Where one person's kind of like, yeah, well, you know, you know, Freeze, he's just crazy. Like, he's just a <laughs> madman. And then another person goes, no, that's not the deal. Freeze is, a, is methodical. He's, he's got this, this thing about, like, he's, always, he's smarter than you. So he's always trying to teach you a lesson. So what's the lesson here? Right? And so we can actually get into some really, really cool stories. Uh, the first half, very much about how being a cop in Gotham works. The second half, very much a story about Rene Montoya. Right. So there are actually two stories yeah. at the beginning. There's the one dealing with the uh, Mr. Freeze. Yes, and then there's the right. Firefly story yes. as well. Yeah. Which, which uh, is kind of in the background, which is your red flag to know that it's going to be important later. Uh, any any good uh, noir cop story is going to have a B story that just seems like it's there for flavor, but it turns out by the end of that that, that uh, it's actually connected to your A story. Right, yeah, and that was great. That, that yeah. was good storytelling. And so this is 10 issues yes in this volume and so um the the renee one is if this were uh, they probably would have split this into two volumes if it were printed today right yeah five five issues in a trade paperback is kind of this is the hardcover that we're that we read if there are there might be some trade paperbacks for for well i think there just is the trade version of this uh, the paperback version of this thing so it still has the 10 issues in it so it's actually quite a lot of content in here um yeah, you want to talk about Rene a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the the second half really focuses on on one character. Sort of once we've laid the groundwork for how which is GCPD works, which is really interesting. Also, because she wasn't at the forefront of the first two stories, no. she appeared just <laughs> to say hi. Yeah, but it really focused on these other guys. So I was actually quite surprised when all of a sudden we're not focusing on those guys. Yeah, um, uh, we can we can actually break this up, uh, it, break this down a little bit more. There are a lot of characters in this book, <laughs> yes. and I had I had to write a little piece of paper to keep track of whose partner was <laughs> belonged to who, like who was teaming up. And there's actually two shifts. There's a day shift, and there's a night shift. And so Marcus Driver and Charlie Fields, um, who kind of Fields is the one who dies at the very beginning and, and yeah. Driver is, is focusing on trying to find a killer. They're it's a, it's a fantastic cliche because he does everything but say we gotta hurry up and wrap this up so that we can get back for my retirement party. Like, <laughs> Yeah, right. That's the only cliche in his character in that first like three or four pages that's not there. Yeah. But. So they're, they are part of the day shift. Yeah. And then Montoya and her partner Crispus Allen are part of the the night shift. Yeah, and so the first half of the book deals with the day shift people, and then we move on to the night shift, which is probably the more interesting part of Gotham is the night shift. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's and that's interesting. And so yeah, Man- Renee Montoya gets um, kidnapped, stalked, and kidnapped by Two Face. Yeah, and because Two Face by the flip of his coin has decided that he's in love with her yeah i i think that there might be history with that character before i think that that renee may have shown up in in batman comics like in like a detective comic sort of well renee was created for the animated series okay and then she was brought over to the uh comics eventually okay 
Um, but yeah, so this yeah this isn't her first appearance in the comics yeah. for sure. So she does probably have some so, sort of uh, history yeah, it, that we it, don't know about. It felt to me like there was a history with with her and Two Face in particular. Yeah, that I, I shouldn't say Two Face with Harvey Dent. I feel like she was a because Harvey Dent was a DA, so it stands to reason that that as a detective at, in at Gotham Central that she would have a history with it with a district attorney. Yeah. So I. Uh, so yeah, I think that there was there may have even been some some hints of romance there, but that all kind of gets uh, flipped on its head, pun intended, because Two Face flip a coin, heads tails. Ha <coughs> uh-huh. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> um, when we find out a little bit more about Renee Montoya's character, which we're late to the party, we know everybody knows this by now, because uh, in fact Renee Montoya has gone on to have a pretty illustrious career in the dc yeah universe. um she is maybe one of one of the first sort of prominent uh, gay characters in the dcu right yeah i think so um so so it it, it sort of and this is the, her outing this the, is yeah the story is is her sort of uh, being outed outed by someone we don't know at the beginning but it turns out to be two-face yeah um so that romantic element two-face they're they're coming up against a lot of stereotypes in, in this book and it's 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 really well written from this standpoint because it is uh, very subtly trying to break down barriers of how a lot of people think in particular about gay women about lesbians right right and that's that oh well they just they just need to find the right man to to <laughs> set them straight and sort of her family has had like her brother has that sort of an attitude of like like look this is a this is a phase or this is a choice that you made and she specifically says that you think it's a choice it's not a choice right um and, and her her family is very catholic yeah. I, I so the the whole all of the these ideas of of, of uh you know like well just stop being gay just you know you're breaking our family apart you're this is going to destroy mom and dad like that sort of thing is all throughout this book um and then and then two-face kind of has the attitude of like look i've removed everything else i've removed all of the other barriers you're here with me now love me yeah (laughs) and she goes you you don't get it i don't like Man, I could. Ne- I. I but care even if about- she did like men, like yeah. that's, you can't force. But but she does. Like she does say, like I care about Harvey. I care about yeah. you. Like the like, let's fix Harvey. <laughs> the yeah. two faced persona is always interesting there because Harvey is present, right? And in any good two faced story, this is why Batman Forever is not a good two faced story. <laughs> yeah, cause Harvey's because not there. Harvey's not present. Right, like there's maybe one or two moments where you sort of see a, a, a glimmer of it, but this is where uh, uh, the Dark Knight does tell the beginning of a very good Harvey Dent story, and, yeah. and, and then they kill him right away. So, <laughs> you know, uh, that's unfortunate. But, um, <clears throat> but it, like, yeah, when Harvey is present, you get to tell really cool stories because he's at odds with himself. Yep. Right, Harvey although in this story still having it all wrong and still being a very tortured individual he's not evil 
right? Yeah. He's just he just doesn't know how to deal with the situation that he's in. So he makes these poor decisions and he and Two Face is the one in control. Right? He's the one who flips the coin and if then it's up to the coin. If the coin says you die, you die. Even if even if he cares about you, that's the way that it goes. That's that's how justice is served in Gotham, right? That's yeah. that's his mentality. So, uh, there's there's a really cool. I, but it's unfortunate that it takes the whole story to get to that point for me. Like it is kind of the reveal at the end that Two Face is behind all of this, um, which you may have seen coming if you had read those previous stories where right. they're involved. But and the thing. Is- the thing that was interesting for me is that Two Face was very specifically chosen for this, and I don't yeah. know anything. If, if even if they had no backstory, sure, um, we can just infer that they did. Um, but his character, the struggle, like you're talking about, of him being at odds with himself, mirrors, I think, the struggle that oh, yeah. that that she has in herself as well with her own sexuality. Yeah. Um, like the fact that she's hiding with her girlfriend and doing these secret rendezvous or whatever and yeah. and the the relationship she has with her parents there's a lot of mirrors there and so to have Harvey come in and saying the the guy who is at odds with himself like he yeah. is the prime case for this yeah. saying i've solved your problem is a really interesting choice like they could have put joker in there sure. and joker could have done all of this yeah. and and said the same things but that wouldn't have had the same sort of effect. Yeah, because you're missing the duality yeah. of the character, the double life, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Because I, I, what's the what's I can't remember what the the title of that story is. They sort of show it at the beginning of every of every issue, um, but it sort of uh, half sh- a life. Yeah, that should have been your first hint right. that Two Face was going to be the bad guy that shows up. But you think. It's referring well, and it is. It's referring yeah. to yeah. Renee's half a life yeah, that's that being exposed. Meaning. So yeah, yeah. Um, and and that one is definitely more of like the mystery story. Um, the the the. Well, the, the other ones have the aspect of mystery as well. Yeah, They're trying yeah. to find killers in both of those other ones. Yeah, also. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I really enjoyed the book. Uh, I'm glad that I finally got around to reading it. Um, what it does is it points out what a poor job. We'll talk about uh, uh, Hollywood hopefully not screwing up Buttman. <laughs> uh, Hollywood has absolutely screwed up Gotham Central. Yeah, here is a, a good opportunity to make a great cop procedural yeah. with Batman characters. Yeah. But man, well, I should say I've only watched the first episode because yeah. after that it didn't interest me. Um, so I... I can't speak fully on this but i wasn't a fan i have i've watched uh i've watched i think like basically the first half of the of of the first season um i'm not caught up by any means Uh, i i basically watched up until the 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 winter the the fall finale okay like the the mid-season break um and i you know try as i might here's the thing I love Ben McKenzie. I think he's a, a phenomenal actor. Uh, I'm a big fan of The O.C., which was his his first his series. Yeah, yeah, his first on screen. I, I everything else that I've ever seen him in, I think that he's been incredible. Uh, I, I think he's a really talented actor. It breaks my heart that he's attached to to this property because <laughs> Gotham. Uh, we talked a little bit about this before before we started recording. 
because uh, I was playing Lego Batman 3, if you put a Batman or Batman-associated thing in title, I mean, it, the Gotham is one step away f- from being called the Young Batman Chronicles Gotham, <laughs> yeah, right. right? Like, uh, uh, you know, having a, a, a semi or a colon in there somewhere and, uh, and, and doing it that way. Because the great thing about Gotham Central as a comic is that Batman shows up think three times right yeah um and he's never full frame you never see all of them you sort of see him in the way that these cops see him yeah which is the shadows yeah he's always in the shadows he's like a flurry of fists that comes in saves the day and then he's gone right like uh, i i the the cases that these guys are working there and it's very pointed in the first story of like don't turn on the bat signal. No, we can we're, do this for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. We don't need his help. We're solving this this case ourselves. Uh, it's a we're considered a joke by all like every other police department in in the world because there's some guy in tights that solves all our problems. Um, but with Gotham, they go the complete other direction with it, where they're like every five minutes they want to remind you. Yes, this is a Batman story. Yeah. This is the story of how Batman becomes Batman eventually because Gotham City needs to become Gotham City. Yeah. And like they hide behind the idea like, well, this isn't the story of of Jim Gordon or or any one particular character. This is the story of the city of Gotham. And it's like, well, this is the story of the city Gotham in Batman and Robin, the movie. Like this is a like this is the worst possible version of Gotham because I don't believe it as a real city, right? Like they they play up the cartoonish angle of everything, and they're constantly like, "Oh, don't forget this character is going to become Poison Ivy. <laughs> yeah, Her right. name's Ivy. She's playing with a plant right now. We know where that's going to go." Yeah. And it's like, it's so on the nose. Uh, you might as well call it powers. Um, <laughs> oh boy. Which they're also turning into a TV series. Hey, I feel like I can say that sort of thing about, about a Bendis property because at the same time I'll flip over and go, all new X-Men is awesome and I like, I have a right. love-hate re- relationship with that guy. Um, but I, yeah, like Powers is getting a TV show as well and it's going to be way too on the nose. and, and We'll uh, see. We'll uh, see what happens. Referential and that sort of thing. But... Um, Gotham Central is so perfect. It's such a great pilot for a series. That first story is 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 really tight. You've got uh, you've basically got your first ep- four episodes of a series there, not just your pilot, right? Because yep. those first two episodes are dealing with that Mister Freeze thing, and then uh, at the same time laying the groundwork for this missing girl yeah. that turns out to be a murder. Uh, what's the connection there and then that ties into the whole the whole firebug thing right? yeah um is it firebug or firefly because they're he calls he gets the suit the old firefly suit off yeah. ebay or something like that and calls himself firebug so yeah. he changes his name okay um, i think that's what yeah how it went yeah i i <clears throat> So yeah, I, like I, you've got that perfect story right there. Like it's it's sort of laying the groundwork and sort of pulling these things across it. I uh, and then and then you get the great story of Renee Montoya that you could 
at you that you could have like pulled across yeah. several episodes, you know, sort of plant in one episode and move forward. Instead, the way that Gotham decides to deal with character in their series is I uh, like it's like I think the third episode Renee Montoya goes up to Jim Gordon's apartment to talk to uh, his girlfriend Barbara and uh, I walks in and basically they have an argument because she's like you need to stay away from Jim Gordon he's a dirty cop and she's like no he's not you're just here to tell me that because of our past history Uh relationship (laughs) and it's like okay there you go like she there's a yeah like like rather than tell that story they tell the 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 i think really beautifully executed story of renee montoya in in gotham central yeah they basically reduce it it to one line and that is that is everything wrong with gotham in just in in one example um because they do that with every character yeah. right uh even even uh, if something should be subtle and interesting because you know when you come to me and you say like oh they're gonna do a show about gotham city and it's gonna be about jim gordon way before batman uh and uh, and the first story the first season is gonna be about him solving uh the the crime of of bruce's parents being murdered of the murder of thomas and martha wayne it's like oh that's that's cool that's really interesting i'm 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 down to to hear about that and then you go oh and by the way bruce wayne's going to be one of the main characters okay i'm <laughs> less interested now yeah uh because i don't want to see a show about preteen uh, uh bruce wayne right it's like oh catwoman's in it too wait catwoman's in it yeah but she's not catwoman she's bruce wayne's age as well uh, and she's just like a little like street, you know, urchin street urchin thief. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm really not interested. And the penguin's the bad guy in the main se- in the first season. Oh boy! It's like, okay, but is he the penguin? No, he's not the penguin yet. But we're gonna remind you a lot that he's gonna become the penguin. Yeah. Right. I uh, and it just like every time that they were presented with a with a, 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 a crossroads in developing that series there was a smart way to do it and there was a cheap easy uh publicity way to do it and they (laughs) went the cheap easy publicity way so that they could have commercials where they go on the next episode scarecrow shows up and it's like these guys are all going to be in their 60s by the time batman shows up like (laughs) what are you thinking it doesn't make any sense. It's just so poorly executed. And it breaks the cardinal rule of Gotham Central, which is that Batman is the enemy. Yeah. Right? right. Like, if you have to use Batman to tell your story, you've failed yeah. in telling that story. Like, that well, is the thing that makes it such a good book. Yeah. The thing that was funny about um, Gotham Central that we didn't like about Powers, the first... we. We didn't like how the crime was crime was solved in in powers because it was like a the an outside character came in and solved the problem. Yeah, and that was it. And there is like, and, but Batman does that in here too. But we expect yes. that from Batman. Yes. So, um, but almost in a way, I I mean, with, with the Mister Freeze thing, yes, they they end up going like we can't 
we can't stop whatever's about to happen. You need to call in the Batman. So they do. With the Firefly thing, because it ends up being tied into the missing persons case, though with the murder that, and everything, yeah, yeah, they do that. That they have a great like it, in that story. It's cool because it's fire and ice. Like there's a there's a no, cool yeah, I didn't duality that. there as well. Where uh, they solve that problem, and then and then uh, Driver gets the awesome moment of turning on the signal, calling Batman there to be like, <laughs> yeah. we solved this one. We don't need you. Like this, like like him, so, and then and Batman's so indignant. <laughs> yeah, and then Batman going, uh, I, it don't if you ever touch the like he sort of threatens yeah, don't do him, that right? Again. Like yeah, <laughs> if you ever do that again, I'm gonna I'm gonna be real mad, right? Like like what are you gonna do? You're Batman. You're not gonna beat up a cop. Um, but I sort of uh, I love it when a Batman story can point out how futile Batman is as a character and how much he is. He is just another member of the rogues gallery in Gotham City. Yeah. He just, he just he's on the other the, side. Yeah. Right? Like he thinks he's on the side of the cops. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like he attracts these people, right? Like they they come to him like moth to a flame. Uh, I Yeah. And and he could stop at any time. Like Gotham can take care of itself. But Batman thinks that he has to save Gotham, and it's uh, it's it's just that it's that really interesting element of that character, uh, where like you tell him like we solved this crime, we we did it. You don't always need to intervene. Sometimes we can do it. Yeah. Um, and then him being like, yeah, whatever. I have real crimes to go solve, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm Batman. You're just the cops, right? Like it's. I, it's just that other perspective that uh, that just goes to show that Batman's not an interesting character. Everybody around Batman makes him an interesting yeah, character. Very true. Right? Yeah. Um, okay. One one last thing about Gotham Central sure. is uh, um, whenever something like Renee coming out of the closet yeah happens, I always wonder: is this because they want publicity, mm. or is it because they are genuinely trying to to address? A social issue that needs to yeah. be addressed and so like what whenever a character dies yeah. like superman are they doing that for us because of publicity yeah of course they're doing that for publicity yeah um so when they introduce a new muslim character yeah or a new gay character or if they're gonna have a thor's a female yeah or captain america is now black is that are they doing it because they're actually trying to be socially conscious or or to get headlines and i really felt like in gotham central it wasn't for the headlines like they played it so so well yeah that um they were actually kind of purposely addressing this this sensitive issue uh for the sake of everyone who has to deal with that i think i think i think intention is really important um and 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 uh, like from a from a company face standpoint, intention is important. I think from uh, from the standpoint of of the finished work of a piece of art, authorial intent is is irrelevant. If you go into something with the authorial intent of uh, representing gay characters, but you don't do your research, and all of your gay characters seem like they're from an episode of Will and Grace, then I. <laughs> uh, then you then you haven't serviced that right so your authorial intent was there 
but your your end product misses the mark. Right. Um, but I think that from a publishing standpoint, I think that that intention is really important. And I uh, I would say that with Gotham Central, that that story about Renee Montoya, it that's how it began. Was like let's let's break down some walls because it is a very social justicey story. Yeah. Right. Um, because they could very easily just say, "Oh, she's a gay character. It's part of the plot." But instead, there's a, her family is brought into it. The yeah. conversations are real conversations, and they're important conversations. Yeah. Because we're seeing it like our hero in that story is Renee Montoya, so that's who we're going to relate to, and that's how you break down those walls, right? Right. Is you take people and you put them in the shoes of someone other than themselves. You make them root for that character, and then in real life when they encounter someone different they stop and they think about it right so right. that's that's when you tell that story well miss marvel does the same thing right yep um but from a publishing standpoint uh, i think dc has gone off the rails with that i think that they if they introduced a new gay character i think it would be very much for the publicity of like look we have a new gay character right because that's just another it's a Stan Leeism now, right? Of like you can, you, uh, uh, Wolverine fights the Hulk. Nuff said, right? Like, like we have a new gay person. Nuff said, right? That's how I feel like. That's how DC approaches stuff today. Not at the point when this comic was published. This is nearly ten years old. Yeah. yeah. Um. But, but DC Warner Brothers today, that is how they're handling their comics. Marvel, I think, I, I Joe Caseda has has gone on record as saying. He's making a push, a because it's what readers want, right? That he hears what people are saying. It's yeah. it's motivated first and foremost by readers saying we want representation. Not not necessarily even comic readers, just people saying today in 2015 we want representation in media, right? So yeah. so Caseda is looking at that and going, yes, absolutely, let's let's churn the water let's stir it up let's have some characters that represent different people that we haven't represented in the past so let's do miss marvel like let's make a pointed effort of it is it going to be good for publicity is it going to sell comics heck yeah of course it is right (laughs) so is it easy to to convince disney and and whatever board he has to to answer to Yes, it's very easy because he's going to walk in and he's going to say, look, we're going to do the right thing and we're going to do the right thing for our bottom line at the same time. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. kill two birds with one stone. It is a business as long as the they the treat it with respect. That's, but that's, that's the thing, thing, right, is that is that I think that, that the decisions that they've been making, uh, creating a character, character like Kamala Khan, um, putting the right person in the driver's seat for that, yeah. I think... When you look at that decision, that tells you everything that you need to know about where Marvel is going with it. Right. We're going to launch a character that is a Muslim teenage girl. Let's put an actual person that represents that that uh, demographic in the driver's seat, right? Yeah. Like, let's not, you know, hand it off to a, a couple of guys, you know, uh, straight yeah. white guys uh, that uh, that that you know run the world uh, to uh, to to tell 
other straight white guys how they're supposed to feel about these people. Right. Instead, let's bring in someone who actually represents that character yeah. to tell that story and at the same time tell their story, right? Because I'm sure that there's an element there of, of, uh, of G. Willow Wilson telling her story. Yeah. Right. Uh, and and getting that out there with this cool fictional bent to it, um, that that I think it's it's a uh, Mary Poppins, right? A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, right? So it, you put the superhero thing on there. That's your sugar to get a story that's going to break down some barriers, and yeah. hopefully the next generation is going to be just that a little bit more tolerant of things other than themselves. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I think, and I think taking a step back ten years, I, I for Gotham Central, you're you're looking at different issues back then to what the issues that we're dealing with today. Right. But I think that that um, who's the team on on Gotham Central? It's, oh, Brubaker, um, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah, Ed Brubaker and yeah. Greg Rooker. Yeah, kind of co-writers. <clears throat> yeah. Um, Obviously, not necessarily representing that that issue themselves personally, but um, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that someone close to them had a story to tell yeah. somewhere in there, right? Uh, that they didn't, or that they didn't read something and then go, "We're going to tell that story. We're just going to wrap it in." Gotham Central, right? right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't or know, who like, knows? They could have editorial, ed, ed, editorially been told. You sure. got to put this in here. Yeah, it's possible. But uh, the 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 last thing I want to say about the character of Renee Montoya is that that character I think has uh, since New Fifty Two been kind of, and I haven't read anything, but from what I can tell, like they just slap her as like sort of the uh, like on a banner of like this is our gay character guys oh really because right? i was uh, yeah i don't know anything. 52 i don't think that that's the way that no they and they didn't it. and they but, because christmas allen eventually yeah. became the sentry okay and then she eventually became the question yes and like her 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 um sexuality didn't play into that at all yeah like and it shouldn't like who cares like but then she was dating batwoman at some point. Oh, was she? Yeah, I'm pretty sure she was dating Batwoman because that was their other character. That they oh, yeah, like, I kind of remember that. That yeah. they were like, hey, gay character, yeah. right? Like, they, they, they had a banner on that one as well. Although, like, and I haven't read any of the Batwoman the other comics. gay character yeah. in the comics. I haven't read any of, the, any of the Batwoman comics myself. I've heard a lot of good things, though. Yeah. So, um, well, maybe worthy for a uh, yeah. pick in the future. Yeah, if that's a if that's a comic that you that, that that you one of our listeners one of our listeners have read, uh, definitely send us an email and uh, and we'll throw that in the running for yeah. Because uh, uh, I'm never going to pick Batman titles myself. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't either. Yeah. Well, I think we should uh, wrap this up here. Yeah, We've been talking absolutely. for a long time. Um. What are we reading next month, Mike? Cool. Uh, well, I will. Uh, let's go with my pick first. Uh, mine is uh, Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane, uh, which is uh, written by Sean McKeever uh, and and drawn by Takeshi Miyazawa. Uh, I love this book. This is one, this is this is 
before Superior Spider-Man, Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane was the example that I would go to for people of, like, this is Spider-Man done properly. Uh, they're all teenagers. It's not regular 616 continuity, but it's not very different either. Um, if anything, <laughs> later on in the volumes, I don't think in volume one you'll get a taste of it, but I think in volume, like, three... Um, you you get the sense that this is actually Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Oh, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's a modern version of that world. Cool. But everything is from the, the perspective of Mary Jane. Cool. So it was actually originally launched as just Mary Jane, but then I think they wanted people to... They had to put the Spider-Man yeah, name on there to up, sell. So they put Spider-Man on there. Oh, okay. Um, I, it, but it's a great book. I'm really excited for, for you to read it. Um, I'm really excited to, to dive back into it. And, uh, and and revisit these Spider-Man stories. Uh, but it's kind of a teen drama. Uh, high school. It's it's Smallville with Spider-Man. And that's how I always pitched it to people. It's okay. like, basically how what like what it is. So it's, yeah. it's, it's that teen drama. Uh, but one of the characters just happens to be Spider-Man. And every so often he has to go fight Spider-Man. <laughs> well, it seemed like an odd pick for you. So that's I'm uh, interested to read it for sure. Cool. Good. Uh, what, what's your pick? My pick is a, a fairly recent book called Seconds by the great Brian Lee O'Malley, who we uh, we all know as a creator, artist, writer of Scott Pilgrim. Yes. Um, this is his latest work. It's big and thick, <laughs> uh, and I don't really know anything about it. Yeah. I haven't read it yet. Me either. Um, except it's about a girl named Katie who has a, a restaurant that she runs, and um, it's I don't know if it's a slice of life kind of thing, but she meets a couple other people, and that's it. It's it looks nice and colorful, um, cool, and yeah, it should be good. So we'll find out this month what this one's yeah, all about. Yeah, I'm really excited to read it. I'm a big fan of Scott Pilgrim, uh, so yeah, uh, so am I. So I think so checking this out is going to be fun. Yeah, and uh, to fill our well, I guess we already filled our superhero quote. Um, with a Spider-Man book that you picked, but yeah. our reader poll for this month is Superman Red Sun, the famous Elseworlds title, which this this version doesn't actually say Elseworlds anywhere on the cover. But, yeah, uh, so here, I'll, I'll just read uh, uh, Steve Ferguson's email that he sent in to us, because uh, he is the poll, although we also got a suggestion from Carl German uh, for, to read this as well. Um, and I'm sure that we'll probably get suggestions in the in the future for people who don't notice that we already read it, because it's a really it's kind of a, a seminal Spider-Man or Spider-Man Superman. Superman. Yeah, Spider-Man. I haven't read this one yet. Uh, it's an important one that everybody has to read at some point. Uh, so here's what he has to say about it. I had been fascinated with this concept for years. I think I first heard of it back in 2010, but only scooped it this past year, uh, and I, and I wasn't let down. This uh, this to me epitomizes a great Superman story. One that turns a fairly well-used character and turns it around to be fascinating. Plus, I didn't see the ending coming. Oh, so I yeah, it's a it is it is a really cool story. It's basically Superman landing in Russia instead uh, of America. instead of America, and then sort of take it from there, right? Yeah, uh, and, uh, and I love the double meaning of Red Sun. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and it is it is a I've read it before. It's a fantastic story. Okay, I'm really excited to read it again. Good. Um, in fact, I might because I have already read it. Uh, I have I have a motion comic 
for Red Sun. So okay. I might not actually reread it. I might reread it as well, but I'm definitely going to watch the motion comic just to kind of be able to bring in a different perspective. Okay. Of like, here's a here's another way to to experience this comic. And right. is it is it good? Is it bad? How does it compare to actually reading the comic? Nice. So, cool. Good. Well, that does it for us this month. Uh, thank you guys for listening. I. Uh, we would be remiss not to mention uh, our, our uh, latest initiative. We are now part of the Thunder Quack Podcast Network, which you can check out by heading to thunderquack.com. Uh, but more importantly, heading to patreon.com slash thunderquack to support not just Pullbox, but all of the great podcasts that Thunder Quack Podcast Network produces. So you've got Pullbox, you've got Quiver the Green Arrow podcast, uh, the Rebels podcast, Frontlines the Clone Wars podcast, and Star Wars the Saga continues, as well as I've got a new podcast upcoming. Uh, called a couple Dark- new. Yeah, a couple. Oh, well, we're not quite to the second one yet as of recording, but we're very close, and I think we're going to hit it sooner rather than later. I might just but- kick in five bucks to make you do it. <laughs> We've got Irregularly Scheduled is, uh, is a podcast that I'm going to be doing which is going to be a little bit it's different from anything else that we're doing uh, and I don't want to quite pull away the curtain yet you guys will <laughs> get that just a little tease yeah, uh, yeah but we're, our first episode is a preview episode that we're going to be doing uh, uh, that I'll be doing with my co-host from Quiver as well as my wife uh, oh, nice. Crystal uh, so Amanda and Crystal are going to be on that actually mostly them talking about the legend of Korra okay. and representation in media that's kind of well, there the, you go the the theme of that first kind of ties into our episode here it does yeah i i but you'll actually get to hear from uh, i people other than a couple of guys <laughs> <laughs> nice which will be nice yeah. so i uh, look forward to that irregularly scheduled um, and what is the the pull box reward if you will become a patron yeah of of thunder quack so i i i what level was it at i think 15 15 bucks 15 dollars a month i uh, if you contribute at that level you can i uh, um, I think we said that we would. Uh, you can choose a book that we talk about, and we'll talk yeah. about it with you. Record a yes. special pull box episode with you about your pick. You can tell us all about why you like it, and we'll just yeah. kind of do right our banter back and forth. Yeah, so uh, that's a great incentive, I think, for any uh, pull box fans out there. Yeah, uh, get on get on the podcast, have a conversation with us. You won't have to yell at us through your iPhone, yeah, or iPod, Skype, or something yeah, like that. Um, uh, so yeah, that that's uh, that's Thunderquack, which you can find at Patreon.com/slash/Thunderquack to uh, to pledge to that. And uh, of course, everything will remain 100% free as it always has been. Uh, Thunderquack is there as an option for people who want to support the podcast that yeah. we produce. Yeah, it really just helps us with our operating costs and, yeah. and allows us to do some bigger and better things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. Uh, well, I, other than that, you can, of course, find us at PullBoxPodcast.com, where uh, you not only get uh, information on our upcoming episodes and past episodes, as well as all of the comics that we've read uh, uh, in our poll list, but, uh, but you can also get some reviews. We do some comic reviews over there as well. So, yep. um, so that's a great, great place to check out. Uh, and follow us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash podcast. And, uh, and on Twitter at Pullbox Podcast. And of course, if you have a comic that you think that we should read, send that in to us with a brief explanation of why to the Pullbox Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and, uh, and, and we'd love to hear from you guys. And also yeah. let us know what you thought of the comics that, that we've read in the past. 
uh, as well as in upcoming episodes. Uh, but that does it for us this month. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you next month. Yeah, enjoy your comics. Bye.